Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex. Weekday afternoons on The Horn. Back to the sports complex on a Friday afternoon. On the show today, we will get you a recap of the NFL season kicking off last night. We'll get into more Texas versus Alabama. NFL season starts on Sunday. More college football on Saturday. MLB is still getting hotter and hotter as the playoffs are approaching. Rangers trying to get back in that playoff picture. Whole lot more to come up. Of course. Your text, 512-337-3776. 512-337-3776 is the text line. Hit us up on there and be a part of the show with us. It was a, it was a, a, a an interesting game to watch last night, and I'll get into that more in the uh, 6 o'clock hour. We'll get into more of breaking down that game and getting into more NFL stuff, but uh, definitely not the game any of us, I thought, I think – Really, we're expecting, you know, it goes to show you there's a reason why wide receivers are paid. There's a reason why they, why people try to pay wide receivers and why people are, you know, really working to get the good players on their team. You should tell you something. And uh, luckily, Texas has some good wide receivers, and that's going to be a big factor coming up on Saturday against Alabama. Uh, it is going to be, by the way, if anybody wants to go hang out with the Horn crew, uh, Aaron and Rob Babers are going to be up at the Fieldhouse at the Crossover doing a pregame show, 3.30 to 5.30 uh, on Saturday. You can go up there and join them. All the details up on hornfm.com. So check that out, hornfm.com. The Fieldhouse at the Crossover is where our watch party, where our pregame and all of that is going to be for the Big Texas-Alabama game. We have some more audio from Sark that we'll get into and kind of play as we go through uh, talking about this game and and what's coming up. and. Uh, one of the questions, we had Joe Cook uh, from Inside Texas on the show yesterday, and we asked it, and one of the questions I'd asked him was about the running backs and trying to figure out if there there was a running back. We've talked about it plenty on this show of wanting to find the guy so that you can run this ball because you're going to have to run the ball. You're going to have to run it all season. That's just it, it helps playing football, and especially if you, you want to try and get that passing game opened up. A run game can really help you out. Uh, you know, Jonathan Brooks – Looked good, but he did, you know, he did drop that one touchdown. There was a couple plays where he just, you know, he may have, you know, missed out on some focus. C.J. Baxter looked pretty good, but there's injuries as well. Uh, he, you know, he got a little banged up in that game. But uh, Sark was asked in his media availability yesterday about C.J. Baxter, and, you know, this is how we can kind of get a piece of what Sark is thinking about running backs going into this game on Saturday. CJ looked great. Um, fired up for him to go go cut it loose here Saturday. Um, you know, 
everything first time for him, obviously. Uh, but I, I don't have any reason to, to, to not think he's going to go out and just perform and go play, you know, everything about him. He's a very even keel guy. Um, you know, he's, he's diligent in his approach to want to do things the right way. He's a physical player. Um, so in the end, uh, my, you know, my anticipation, he's going to play, uh, I'm sure there'll be a little bit of a, of a transition maybe early in the game from the speed of the game and the physicality of the game and, and obviously the environment, but I'm, I'm not, not really concerned about him, you know, performing, you know, that, because that's just who he's been throughout his time with us. So this is kind of where I had thought that, you know, when, when you heard the reports out of, out of practice, out of spring game, out of everything about Jonathan Brooks, CJ Baxter and the competition between the two, you kept hearing, you know, people around the programs kind of touting Jonathan Brooks a bit more, but Sark always was a little bit more, you know, he, he, I don't think he ever gave an edge to either running back, really, in any of his comments. And if it's a tie and one's younger, you're going to give it to that younger guy, that guy that is more of a Sark guy of what he wants now, the things that he thinks he can do, the things of if this is where you're at as a freshman – I think we can move up and, and have more promise. And I think C.J. Baxter, you know, this is – you wanted Jonathan Brooks to win the role because we know what he can do. I don't know if he's done enough to do that, which means if he can't win it outright, he is now going to be in a share with C.J. Baxter. And if you know you have a freshman and you have uh, a sophomore who's been in the program, this is his third season, he's a redshirt sophomore – and you're going to try and get the ball more to C.J. Baxter to get him more experience and get him ready for the next few years. I think this is where, you know, you're going to look at Jonathan Brooks again in this game, and after he knows he, he didn't have a bad game against Rice at all, but he didn't stick out, he didn't want to be, he, he dropped that pass, he did miss a couple, of, you know, protections, he missed those kind of things. You're going to have to, he's going to have to come out in this Alabama game and play at a very high level to earn back his starting job. We know Technically, they listed C.J. Baxter as a starter uh, week one on that depth chart, on the unofficial or whatever, you know, the the depth chart. They do the and the or on the depth chart. So it is a, you know, it, it's not exactly where he's saying you're number two. It is a one and one A and one B. But you want to see Jonathan Brooks step up uh, this week. Or it could be a, it could be the C.J. Baxter season, and you know you're going to have to use both running backs. We saw C.J. Baxter get beat up uh, in, in the game last week. It's gonna be it's gonna be a long season. You like to have both of them. Jaden Blue looked good as well. He was playing later in the game, so it was a little bit, you know, running's usually a little bit easier later in the game once the teams get beat down a little bit, and especially if you're fresh, it can be a little bit easier. Not taking anything away from him. But I when we hear this and when you hear about you talk about the the media's talking about, what the, the coach is talking about, it seems like this may be a freshman running back coming in and Going into a big game like Alabama in week two, I was kind of hoping we would have the more experienced player be the guy. I'm fine with the freshman. If C.J. Baxter is the guy and he's not going to miss, you know, he's going to be able to do the big things. Jonathan Brooks is still going to get his play. We know Keelan Robinson is going to play a lot more than he played in uh, week one. That was They were going to hide that one a little bit and not try and show off some of his things, keep him fresh uh, for Alabama, a game that you know he's had circling on his calendar uh, all year after losing Alabama last year. But I wanted to see a little bit more out of Jonathan Brooks, and I'm hoping to this Saturday. I'm hoping that he is part of what this this team needs because you do have to establish a run game in this game.
Uh, they, but we do when we talk about getting prepared for this and getting prepared for the game on Saturday and trying to get your running backs ready and get everything ready. Uh, it, you, we, Sark was asked about measuring the intensity of a practice and trying to figure out how to get people ramped up for the week, get everybody ready to go, get everybody getting that intensity up for the practice, but not going too far in week two, still trying to have growth, all of that. Here's Sark about measuring the intensity of a practice. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of hard, right? I mean, A, um, the naked eye, the coach's eye, right? You lean into the experience of it. What does it look like? You know, what's it feeling like in practice? Um, two, you know, I rely on science for some of that. You know, we, we can gauge explosive movements. We can gauge, you know, high velocity yardage by receivers. We can gauge you know, explosive movements at the line of scrimmage by linemen. And that gives me a gauge of kind of where we were a week ago and what a Tuesday and Wednesday practice look like in comparison to to this week. And so I think that's, again, that's a credit to our staff that our, our training staff that we have that science. Um, but, but also inevitably, I, I think from a mentality standpoint, like I touched on with the team, everybody, you know, when we got done with that rice game Saturday night, Everybody in their mind thought, man, I, I want to go win at Alabama next Saturday night. Okay, what are you, what are you going to do Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday to put yourself in position to have an opportunity to win that game? And so our whole message this week is be present, right? Be present today. Let's focus on today. Um, and Saturday will be here soon enough. Let's focus on today. And so that allowed me to t- kind of really look at each day, you know, really like through a straw and just focus on that day. And then that gave me a good gauge of where we were at. And and if a guy's yardage was getting to a point to where I felt like it was too much, we backed off of him. Um, but it, it felt, it felt good. It felt right. I felt like t- this week was the way we're supposed to practice. And so it, we, I felt like we really kind of stepped up our level of intensity from last week. Now moving forward throughout the season, we, we have to have the ability to sustain that. You know, and then I'll manage the amount of reps that we take, but the 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 level of intensity on each individual play felt right to me. So when when he talks about doing day by day, there is part of it where I do appreciate where he's acknowledging at least what this what the game means, what the player the players are all hyped up for it because we see that too much in football that players have the they're afraid because they're afraid their coach is going to say. You know, you're you're putting too much into it, and it's just another week, and all you care about is this week and next week, and blah blah blah, and all the coach speak. And so we know, uh, uh, you know, Jalen Milrow came out, and he's like, "Look, it's just another football game. You got to go play." It does mean something because he's from Texas, and he wants to go have the game. But he's he's not trying to play it up as you're playing the number eleven team in the country. You got to go make a statement. They're about to be in the SEC. He didn't want to play any of that up. But I get that. But at a certain point, when you don't, when you don't play that up in your head when you try and pretend that it's not a big deal you sometimes don't get up enough for it you sometimes you know you you lose that looseness of the game where you can go out and go okay we're we're gonna go make we're gonna go have a big game today we're gonna go be do something special and in reality on the offense it's a little bit different for texas because i don't know the offense ever clicked on a level in week one to really let you be completely loose and free in week two. I don't know if Quinn Ewers and this offensive line, uh, uh, you know, the receivers played well, but, you you know, you need the offensive line and Quinn Ewers to be there to do that. We we just talked about the running backs. 
I don't know if any of them performed at a level where they're able to walk in, you know, and get amped up for it and say it's Alabama and not have those butterflies. So you have to worry about the offense in one way. That defense, though, that defense, let them know what it means. Let it know what it means that this is a defense where they think you're Big 12 defense, not SEC, and they think you can't hang with the SEC, and you need to go out there and prove it. You need to go out there and show that it wasn't it wasn't that Rice's offense was bad. It was that you guys were stepping up to be a next-level defense. That's what you need to show because this defense is going to be one of the biggest points of the game on Saturday because we know Alabama's defense is going to be good. We know Texas' offense is not going to score 50 points on, on Alabama, and, and you can have a shootout on Alabama. That doesn't... That doesn't really happen very often against Alabama. You can just shoot them out because their defense is going to be good. So you need your defense to keep your offense in the game. And PK does have some experience against Saban. It's not a ton, but there is some experience where, you know, through the years and PK's coached against Sark when he was at Alabama. Here's uh, Sark talking about PK's experience against Nick Saban. Uh, I remember they, they had a really good defense that year. Um, we, we struggled mightily offensively. I think our defense at Alabama that year scored a defensive touchdown and got another turnover and returned it down inside the 10, uh, that, which created some points. Um, you know, again, we're, we're a little bit of a different defense than what they were there, but, but definitely there's some things that, um, we can draw from, um, that ball game and then different ball games throughout PK's career that, that could be helpful in the game. So there is some experience. You do know some different trends of what Saban's going to do. You know trends of how he may react, and so you do have a little bit more of a basis to go off of. Now there is Tommy Reese, who is the new offensive coordinator that PK is going to have to go up against, and I'm sure they've watched hours and hours of film on this. I'm sure they are fine of knowing they've watched every game at Notre every you know play call at Notre Dame, all of those things. They'll be ready to go. But you need your defense to step up in this game. And Sark talked also about one of the things they did against Rice, something that they've been working on, of showing multiple defenses, something that, you know, this was a Patriots thing for years, and it was always, you know, kind of a problem early in the season for the Patriots, and then later in the season they would have one of the best defenses because they could adapt and blend. And, and you know, if one thing's not working, you can switch to another defense and you can have different sets and you utilize different personnel packages and all those things that Texas now, because they're starting to have more depth on that defense, they're able to do. Here's Sark talking about the Longhorn defense, being able to show different sets, different uh, packages, different personnel out on the field and giving Alabama some different looks that they don't necessarily know what's going to be coming on every single play. Yeah, no, you know, I, I think it started one with the personnel. You know, playing a lot of people a lot of times is is difficult when you're trying to get a beat on your opponent, who you're going against. And so we, we played a lot of people, so that, that was helpful. Uh, I think, too, the, those guys on defense, because of the communication, the way they've played, it allows us to do maybe a little bit more than we've done historically over the first, first two years uh, because they've earned that right. You know, we're, they're doing things confidently. They're communicating. They're on the same page. Um and then ultimately now they've gained some confidence in, in playing, you know, varieties of, of defenses. And so as we navigate our way through the season, um, certain games are, we're going to rely on more things than other things and vice versa as the season goes on. Um, the players now have some confidence that they can do a multitude of things, zone coverages, man coverages, you know, pressure patterns, um, you know, secondary 
pressures, you know, line stunts at the line of scrimmage, um, ability to go to big people and, and stop the run when you have to do that. So all of those things added up to, you know, I think we're very comfortable with the people that we have and the scheme that we have that that we can play a, v- a variety of defenses predicated on the, the style of offenses that we get. So being able to have that consistency, and it's something that he's talked to, say, uh, Sarkis talks about with Saban, the consistency of keeping PK, keeping the same coaches on the defense, trying to, you know, get the players to learn more things, to get comfortable of, you know, you don't have to install a new defense every year. You don't have to install new things, but you can then add on to and change your packages and then have personnel to, you know, you can't have everyone play all the time. If you get too many good recruits, you want to get guys in the game and you want to give guys rest. But if you may not, you may have players with different skill sets. And so being able to have the consistency enough to allow the defense to use every defensive player's skill set at its best level. That's something that Texas is going to be trying to do this year, and it's going to be a big factor against Alabama because if you're able to give you know, Jalen Ford the chance to be in the best position all the time, and if you're allowed to give Alfred Collins and Devondre Sweat little breaks in the game so they can get their motor back up and running at 100%, but not losing ground because you're putting in more linebackers, you're putting in more, you know, on longer plays, you say, okay, we're going to try and rush up the middle. All of those things you're able to do because you now have the personnel and you're able to grow your, instead of trying to fit one set and every player has to fit this mold or you will not succeed. And we're going to try and stick a five-star who's really good at man coverage into the zone package because that's all we really want to play. You can now put the guys where they're going to be doing better. Uh, one more clip we'll play for you before we get into a little bit of the game plan of what Texas needs to be looking at to go into this game uh, for to have a chance to win this game. Uh, this is the, the question of it's not as important of before the game, but it's key, managing expectations is one of those things in life that's very hard to do, but it's so important, managing expectations. So you have to be able to go in this game, and you know, man, if you win, you'd like to be able to pump it up and, and you know, you have one speech ready for win. That's easy. But losing, you have to be able to say, look, we, you know, either way it goes, this is not our season. Even though everyone watching knows this is going to be a big play, a big swing for either team. And you can rebound, you can bounce back. We saw the Chiefs last night. That was not a great turn for the Chiefs, but they'll be able to bounce back since week one. This is only week two. You're able to bounce back from it. But Sark was asked pretty much straight up, is this a statement game? Is this a game because we've the articles are coming out fast and furious now of is Texas back? Is this the game where Texas is back? And we all know it's not. As Texas fans, we're, we're sick and tired of is Texas back. No, look, let us, win, let us win a national championship, and then we'll start talking about it. But we, no, we're not saying we're back anymore. We've been burned enough. We're not saying that. It's, it's other people that want to make a deal about it, but that is the narrative. And if you're a player and you're 21 years old or 20 years old or 19 years old and you went to Texas to bring Texas back, that's what you want to do, and you go to Alabama and you go into Tuscaloosa and you win, you feel like that's a statement game. Here's Sark when he was asked, is this a statement game? Uh, no. Uh, I'm looking at this game as a, you know, kind of a, a benchmark. Where are we? You know, where are we? You know, we've 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 made a lot of strides and um, we've come a long way. And I think last year's game served as a good benchmark. And I think it helped us 
uh, help, you know, instill some confidence in some players on our team of what they were capable of. Um, we're going to, we're going to go in here Saturday night and the goal is they get our best shot. And I'm, I'm assuming we're going to get their best shot. And what does that look like? You know, um, we're going to come out of the game and in the post game press conference in the next couple of days, we'll see and and where we, where we think we're good enough and where we were, maybe we're quite not. And that might not be personnel. That might be scheme. That might be, you know, unforced errors. What, what does that look like? What does that look like in all three phases? Um, there's no question we want to go win this ball game, right? We're, we're putting forth the, every ounce of effort that we have to try to go do it like we do every week. Uh, but in the end, um, I think we're at, both teams are going to walk out of the stadium with a real firm understanding. Okay. This is where we're at. Um, and then this is what we need to do to continue to develop our team for the next 10 regular season games and trying to go win a conference championship. And that, yeah. and, and quite frankly, that's, that's one of the beauties of playing these games like this early in the season. And I, you know, I, I kind of commend whoever was the reasoning for scheduling Texas and Alabama and moving forward next year, Texas and Michigan and Texas and Ohio state, because it gives you a sense early in the season, um, some, some off season motivation, but also, okay, when we're playing one of the best teams in the country, where are our holes and where are our strengths that we can fix those things to get ready for conference play? It is. It, I mean, and that's the reality. At the end of the day, you played Rice. You saw some of the the issues, but you didn't pull your – you get to pull every trick out in the book now. You get to go out and try and make a big win. And, and it's semantics of a benchmark or a statement or whatever it is. Because it's a benchmark game whether you win or lose. It's only a statement game if you win. So you can kind of get away from it. It's not a statement game if you lose. So he's it's semantics, a benchmark. It's Yeah, it's a benchmark game because it's going to be that no matter what. Let's get into some game plan. And if you guys want to send in any, any things that need to happen for this Texas game, what your path to winning is, you can do that on the text line, 512-337-3776. But first and foremost, let's start with the offense, and, and you have to establish the run game. Uh, we know that they did it in week one. We don't know if that was because they didn't want to show too much. We don't know if that was because they really wanted to try and figure out the difference between C.J. Baxter and Jonathan Brooks in a game situation and try and get a little bit better gauge on who's the starter, who's going to get more carries, all of that. But you need to establish this run game because you're going to need to be able to use it in the second half. You're going to be able to need to get manageable third downs. You're going to need to be able to get things get the ball at least moving forward. So you're going to have to push this ball. And it doesn't need to be explosive plays, but you need to be able to establish a run game early. You can't just keep throwing it downfield. You can't rely completely on passing. And you can't rely completely on screen passes and little little out stuff that Sark loves to do, but it still puts the offensive linemen on the back heels as opposed to run blocking. You want those O-linemen to get some hits on these D-linemen and, and win some battles early in the run block instead of having to be in their back feet pass blocking the entire game. You'd like to get that O-line feeling a little bit better as the game progresses on, and they need to protect Quinn. They need to protect uh, whoever's running the ball. You need to get those. So you want to get those and control the clock. Control the clock for this entire game. You know you, know you need to get your defense some rest because this it's going to predicate on how low can you hold Alabama. You got to be able to hold them, so you need to be able to control that clock. You need to get Quinn Ewers in rhythm before you start trying to chunk it downfield. And even if he's going to get, and he will get single coverage down the field early in the game, 
and Xavier Worthy will have some space. Like those will happen. But we saw last we saw last week he underthrew those a couple times. So even though Xavier Worthy had it, and if he put the ball ten yards more downfield, he maybe gets a, a catch. You need to get him a little bit of consistency and rhythm early. Get the ball out so he's not getting hit and roughed up early in this game. You're running the ball. You're throwing the ball intermediate. Five, ten-yard passes, completions, just getting the ball out, getting your, getting the clock rolling, getting the, getting the vibe right. So not starting with, hey, let's throw it downfield to open up everything in between. Let's start early. Let's start. We, we just have to start. We have to get a little consistency. And you've got to take what they give you because – and this is what it means for Sark in the third and fourth quarter. In the second half, you need to adapt that this defense is going to change to what you're doing. So if you're running the ball and you're and you're getting intermediate passes, they're going to change, and you can't you can't then you know keep doing the things you're doing. But if you keep doing that and they don't change because they know your tendencies, they know your tendencies as Sark is. I'm going to set up the long ball, and I just want to throw it deep. And in the third and fourth quarter, I'm going to set up, and I'm going to run, and I'm going to throw the pass underneath, and they're going to move up, and then I'm going to throw it over the top. And everyone in the free world knows this because they've watched every single game you've coached at Texas. And when you go into the third and the fourth quarter and you still throw the ball deep, even though they're not giving it to you, you think they are in your head the way you wrote it up. And when you, when you were in the shower that morning – and you were playing the game out in your head, and you're playing it out in your head, they change and they, they fall for your trick and you get the pass over the top. They may not do that. And so you just have to keep giving what, taking what they give you. That's what you have to be able to do. Keep taking what they give you. And then defensively, the defense is going to be the, the bread and butter of this game. You've got to have a big defensive game to win this game. You've got to hold – I think you've got to hold Alabama under 20 points. Which you know you should be, you might be able to do, but I you know once they get up to three touchdowns, it's going to be a little bit harder for Texas to put those numbers up, uh, and, and you know I don't feel as comfortable with that. So you need to stay in front of, you need to stay in front of Jalen Milton. You have to stay in front of him. You I you know whether that means you don't blitz too much, you try and get organic pressure. It means you try and push up the middle more with Tavondre Sweat, who had a great game in Week One. And you flush him out the outside, and you have a linebacker in the place. You play some more zone to try and get there. You know they're going to get some dinks and dunks. You know they're going to be able to get some things going, but just staying in front and not letting the big play happen. And especially on third and downs, and especially on fourth downs, to not allowing, to not allow Alabama to pick up a ridiculous third and twelve because you went all after Milrow and he just walked down the field when you miss the tackle, because that's what quarterbacks can do, especially a guy like him. You need Alfred Collins, Tavondre Sweat, to plug up that line because Alabama's going to run the ball down your throat. They're going to come at you and keep running the ball and keep running the ball, and whether it's Milrow, whether it's, whether it's any of the running backs, they're going to run the ball. You need to be able to have your interior D-line stand up, win battles on the, D, on the offensive line and the defensive line. And if you can create turnovers, if you can create turnovers on this Alabama team, they don't turn the ball over. That's one of the things they don't do. So if you can create turnovers on this team, you've got a real, real good shot to win this game. But that's, that's all being said. You've got to do all those things and then hope that Alabama doesn't pull out some more tricks and get you. But I, I think the players, I think that they have enough talent on this team to win. The question is, do you put your players in a position to win? Do you call the plays that 
are not trying to be on Sports Center. You want to call the plays to just move down the field and just move down the field and just move down the field. You got to do that. You got to you got to make the game a little bit easier for Quinn Ewers and not expect him to be a hero. You have to be able to adjust to whatever this defense gives you and make in make decisions in in real time because that's what the other coaches do. And that's if you want to know the difference between being a good coach and an elite coach, that's it. And that's what you haven't done yet, Sark. That's what you need to do. Time for Patrick's Big Fat Poll today before we get to the break. Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the day on the horn. Join the conversation. 512-337-3776. 512-337-3776. Yesterday we asked you about the tight ends. Which tight end uh, all time would you like to have in with the game on the line? And you guys... Woo, you guys may be a bit of homers. Jay Novacek wins this one over Gronk and Travis Kelsey. Shannon Charlie, no, it was Jay Novacek wins. That Tony Gonzalez is on that list. Yeah, I want Jay Novacek. You know what? I'll respect it. I'll respect the homerism there. Today, I want to know, and I want to get some of these. I think, I think there's going to be some good ones. But what is the best game day superstition for a fan? So what's your go-to game day superstition? Is it, you got to wear, is it, is it a piece of clothing? Socks? You wear the same underwear? You got a shirt you got to wear every time? If they win, you don't wash? Is that one of the things? Do you have a place you got to watch the game? Do you, do you get up and walk around if they're not playing well? Do you sit down? Is there? Do you have to have the, the lights on a certain channel? Like you have to have to turn the lights off, turn the lights on? You got to do a, a shot every time they score a touchdown? Or if they don't, then hey, that's why the next drive didn't work. What's, your, what's the best game day superstition for a fan? What's your game day superstition that you have to have? Tell us on the text line, 512-337-3776. Tell us there. What's the best game day superstition for a fan? Uh, we'll be reading those answers coming up a little bit. We come back. Uh, we're actually going to talk a little bit more, but I'm going to play a clip from Ian Robby talking about breaking tendencies, a big thing, a big factor. Rob Babers breaks it down in a way that only he can about breaking tendencies and a big difference that Texas needs to have in this game on Saturday. When we come back here on the Sports Complex, 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app, and at hornfm.com. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex, weekday afternoons, only on the Horn. Back on the Sports Complex here on the Horn on a Friday. It is a 5-1-2 Friday as well. Playing some local music for you to get you some ideas of what to check out this weekend. I know Saturday night you may already have plans, but hey, if Texas wins, you may want to get out and see a show. But this band is playing tonight. So if you want to get out and start the weekend right, get you in the right frame of mind. Otis Wilkins right here. Uh, There's some new stuff from him called Belong to the Seats. Otis Wilkins, they're playing tonight at Hotel Vegas. So you can check that out. Uh, Got some good texts coming in. From you guys, uh, when we asked the question, Patrick's big fat poll of the day today, what is the best game day superstition for a fan? What's your game day superstition? What do you have to do? We got some good ones coming in. We'll read those. We get in the next segment. 
So keep sending them in, 512-337-3776. What's the best game day superstition that you have as a fan? Uh, we're going to get into something else that we're going to keep talking about in Alabama and Texas. It's going to be a consistent theme of today. As we get in there, it is a game of the week, if there ever was one here in Texas. So uh, we want to talk Rob Babers uh, and Aaron Hogan we're talking about on the show. Uh, breaking tendencies. It's something we've talked about. I've talked with Rod about many times before. Uh, something important, and Sark doesn't always do it. Sark tends to, you know, stick to his script, and he thinks that he wants to play the way he needs to play. And and you know, if, if I have the players and I call the right plays, then we'll win the game. And you know, you can't do that all the time, especially not against you know defenses that are loaded with great coaches. Sometimes you got to change your tendencies. Kind of trick them, throw them off a little bit, do some things that you may not be as comfortable with, but you want to go try. Here's Rob Babers and Aaron Hogan on Hook 'em Up with Ian Robbie, weekday morning, 6 to 11, right here on the horn, talking about breaking tendencies for Texas. All right. So, of course, we are getting closer to the Texas Bama game, and we have analyzed it from every different angle, right? We've been slapped it up, flipped it, and rubbed it down. We went through every different matchup we can go through. So, now we're into the details of how this matchup may play out. And we were just talking to Travis. It's Travis Ryer, right? Is it Ryer? His name? Uh-huh. Uh, he was really good, uh, Bama insider. And he agreed uh, with some of the things that I brought up that I think it's going to be tough for either one of these teams to run the football. And honestly, the way I think it's going to go is Sark's script is going to be amazing. Uh, I wouldn't looked up my notes from last year. Sark had eight different personnel packages that he used in that Bama game and easily, I think, passes the eye test for most Longhorn fans as the most creative script that Sark has had uh, since he's been here at Texas. And I imagine we're going to see something just as creative in this matchup versus uh, Alabama in Tuscaloosa. So expect to see all those personnel packages, the 11, the 12, the big 11, big 12, 6-0 line packages, the 2021. Remember both of your biggest uh, plays in the Rice game, that 37-yard touchdown to Jay Brooks, the 40-something-yard touchdown to JT Sanders, both out of 21 personnel, two backs, one tight end. Only saw like five or six snaps of it, but I think you may see more of it versus Alabama. Bama. So he may get all of it. 23, 20, 30 personnel. You may get a ton of different uh, personnel groupings and formations. And I, I think for Sark, you're going to get that early on, by the way, in the opening script. But when that wear, when that, you know, obviously when that wears thin, and then you got to get down to the adjustments within the game, the chess match within the game, that's where this game will be won and lost for, for Texas or for Alabama. And when you're talking about big games, I brought this up earlier. If you're talking about winning a big game, uh, postseason games are really big games whether it's a regular season matchup that you've been knowing about for a year there's always extra preparation done we know Texas along with, with Gary Patterson did a lot of extra preparation for Bama last year we know now Steve Sarkeesian hinting and the players uh, implying that basically Texas has done a lot of preparation for Alabama in the offseason this season I think even for the Rice game and I said it before the game I said it to anybody who would listen, I said, man, if I was if I was Steve Sarkeesian, I would not be preparing for Rice <laughs> as hard as I would be preparing for Bama. And the players wouldn't know it, but I would be, you know, infusing all of my practice periods, all of my, you know, seven on sevens, my team sessions with Bama material. The players wouldn't know. We wouldn't, t- we wouldn't be talking about Bama, but we would be practicing for Alabama, whether that be the week before uh, Rice, the week of Rice, and, of course, afterwards, you're pre- pre- prepping for Bama. And they've been doing it in the offseason, too. And I still believe that was the case. 
I was talking to my man Drew Kelson about it, who was on that Longhorn team that won the national title and was uh, from DB High uh, at Houston Lamar. And even he said, yeah, he remembers before Ohio State, uh, they had a game, and I forgot who it was. I don't know if it was Louisiana Lafayette or something like that. And they were practicing all these really cool concepts, and he kept asking Coach, Coach, why didn't we use some of those cool concepts? We were practicing in the game. And then they broke them all out versus Ohio State. They were practicing them the week before. Yeah. <laughs> right? uh, but he was like, they didn't use them. Like, why would we use that really cool stuff? It's like, well, eh, we're going to use it. We just need you to rep it a little bit more. Expect that type of philosophy and mentality versus Alabama. They're going to break it out. They're going to be in the bag. But what I said about winning big games, you got to break tendency to win big games because teams are doing extra prep. They're putting in extra prep, right? They're putting in overtime. Nobody's going home in the postseason. Right? Nobody, everybody's staying up late, staying late, sleeping on the couch, putting in that extra work. Same thing's happening for the big Alabama game, your big regular season matchup with your rival. Uh, Mac Brown was famous for the bye week. If there's an A&M or an Oklahoma after that bye week, we're probably going to be preparing for that rival during the bye week. Right? We're going to use that extra time. And with that extra time, because you know you only have a fixed amount of time to practice, and and meet with your team. So if you go meet and practice about something, you better make sure it's important and relevant. Otherwise, you're wasting truly, literally valuable time <laughs> that you only have so much of <clears throat> because of the NCAA rules and the CBA and the NFL, anything. So with that time being spent and you putting extra time, that means you really, really get to know and really familiar, familiarize yourself with the habits, the trends, the patterns, the tendencies of a team. You know them, you know them in and out. I know all Texas patterns, trends, and tendencies. You guys know that. I give them to you all the time. All right. So picture Rod B times 10. Right? Yeah. Uh, analyst. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's like a bunch of those guys, 10 to 15 of them in a room, and they're all looking at certain concepts, looking at different trends, patterns, and tendencies, and they're bringing all that information to the coach and going, all right, here you go. This formation, 70% of the time in this down and distance, you'll get this route combination. They give it all to them. All right. And that's why it's, it's so important. In those big games where all that prep is being done and they're exhausting themselves with the most thorough research possible to find every little minute minuscule minuscule detail that'll give them some type of uh you know advantage, all right, in game planning, that you use that time against them. Use their trends, use all the trends and all the patterns and tendencies they found. You got to use it against them. And that's why breaking tendency is big. I, I my one of the more famous examples actually involves Alabama and Nick Saban. Right. Nick Saban's in the national championship game against Georgia. Jalen Hurts is his quarterback and he's trying to figure out every which way. All right. To solve the, the, the riddles and the game plans and challenges that Kirby Smart's Georgia team has presented to him. Cause Kirby Smart knows Nick Saban better than any other assistant coach. He was with him longer than any other assistant coach. He's with him, what, 11, 12 years. He's with Nick Saban. And took every principle and philosophy, uh, you know, and uh, dogma that Nick Saban taught him. And he, he built that Georgia program with it. And now they're back-to-back champions. But before that was done, he was, he was trying to do it a little bit earlier in 2017. In that, 20, I think it was a 2018 year, but it was a 2017 national title game. And Kirby Smart's game plan and scouting report was so thorough and so exhaustive that Alabama, really, Nick Saban, he was out, he was out of ideas. He had no counters. He was going to lose that national title game because Jalen Hurts was struggling. Why? Because Kirby Smart knew Jalen Hurts. He knew him very well. He had, he had helped, you know, on that team. He had seen him in practice. Hell, he was probably there when they recruited Jalen Hurts and, and probably was helping with evaluations, all that kind of stuff. He knew all the players on that roster. So he knew their weaknesses and their strengths. And one of the only players he did not have a thorough scouting report on 
was Tua. And Nick Saban decided, I got to break tendency. Only way I'm going to beat Kirby Smart in this game. He knows everything we're going to do. He knows my schemes. He knows all my players. The one player he don't really know that he cannot account for is Tua. I'm putting him in the game. Puts him in the game. And we all remember, what was it the first or second play? Those touched a touchdown pass to Devontae Smith. The rest is history. They win the game. They win the game. Stole and, that, it back. and that was the one big adjustment, right? That was the one way that Nick Saban broke tendency. Because that was the one thing that Kirby Smart did not anticipate him doing. Well, this is and, a huge test. And you're right. Does, does, does Steve Sarkeesian have something up his fourth quarter sleeve? Yeah, he got to do it. Remember, remember, the, remember the Super Bowl 2017? Go back to that, too. The Patriots and the Rams in that Super Bowl, the, the only touchdown scored was out of 22 personnel, two backs, two tight ends, and it was out of empty formation. This is where my empty formation obsession actually starts. Out of empty formation, and the Rams and Wade Phillips, where I called an amazing uh, game defensively. Matter of fact, it was a defensive uh, battle between the, the Patriots and the Rams, and he gave up one touchdown, and the only touchdown he gave up was out of 22 personnel, where the Rams left their linebackers and heavy personnel on the field, and then the Patriots spread them out and went empty formation with that group. Group. And turns out the research had been done that that season in 2017, there had only been 11 instances the entire season where a team used 22 personnel and went empty formation. And the Patriots did it three times in a row to score the only touchdown there. They broke tendency. Hell, they broke tendency that nobody could have uh, prepared for or anticipated. And they didn't even practice it. It came out later. The players actually revealed they did not even practice that. They put, They installed it. But even the Patriots didn't think they were going to use it because they didn't practice it. They installed it but didn't practice it, and that's why they end up winning the game. That's the ultimate kind of you know, example of them breaking tendency. Also, that same Super Bowl day, that's when you know Jared Goff and Sean McVay, they would line up at the line of scrimmage really fast, try to beat the play clock, and they would try to get to the line of scrimmage with about 25 seconds left on the play clock when they switch off the headset with 15 seconds left so that Sean McVay could talk uh, Jared Goff through the play. And through the defense before the snap. And the Patriots, remember, they sent in two different play calls. One prior to the snap and then one after they shut shut off the headset and one post-snap. And then they would basically have a different look for a young Jared Goff. They broke tendency. They also played more. There was more zone coverage in that game than they played in any game in the playoffs because they needed to break tendency because Sean McVay knew, oh, they're going to be playing, they're going to be playing man coverage. And he built his game plan around, man, they're playing a lot of man coverage. And so these examples are littered everywhere. Remember, remember last season when the Bills beat the uh, Miami Dolphins in the playoffs? They, they did it by running a, a, a concept of 10 personnel, which is one back, zero tight ends. They had four of their snaps uh, against the Dolphins. With 10 personnel, they had only used it seven total snaps the entire season. So they went 10 personnel in four plays to beat uh, the Miami Dolphins in that game, but they had only used it seven times the entire year. But you got to break tendency. How could how could the Miami Dolphins be ready for it? There was nothing on film to show that they, they were going to run that, and there were only seven plays. Why would I devote my very valuable practice time, which I'm limited to, by the way, because of the CBA, why would I devote it to a play they only ran seven damn times in the entire 17-game season? You wouldn't. 
And that's why breaking tendency is so important because you got to do the one or two things they don't expect you to do. The, the Doug Peterson did it too with the Jaguars. Remember that that play they ran? It was a fourth and one, fourth and it was fourth and inches actually. It was a twenty-five yard run by uh, uh, I believe it was Travis Etienne, if I'm not mistaken. Remember they lined up in that T formation with three players in the backfield. It was only the sixth time the entire season that a that an NFL team on offense lined up three players in the backfield on fourth down and three of them were done by the Jags. That's breaking tendency. That's what Sark and Texas are going to have to do in this game. I don't know how they're going to do it. It's hard to predict and anticipate that, but I guarantee you if they win this game versus Alabama on Monday, I will come in here and I will show you all the ways that he broke tendency to beat his former mentor. If they lose, then I'll come in here and show you all the ways they did not. Yeah, and uh, did exactly what Alabama thought they were going to do. We will see. It's great stuff there, there from uh, Rod's rant. But also say the examples you gave are great. They're also outside. You know, so Buffalo is playing Miami for the third time. Uh, that's a divisional yes, team, so you got to break point. something out that they haven't great seen. Great point. Great point. E. And the other ones, the Super Bowl games and the national championship game with Nick Saban. You have extra time got to prepare. All right? that time. You got a yeah. month to prepare. Same with the Super Bowl. Well, guess what. Alabama and Texas have had all offseason to prepare for this game, <laughs> exactly. right? Have you had all offseason mm-hmm. to find this plan that's going to break tendency and don't think Nick Saban doesn't know it too. So, uh so just another subplot of what makes this game so damn intriguing because you know, week to week, once once you get past this week and you're getting your conference, it's tougher to It's tough, yeah. You don't have time. You don't so have time you're for that. just trying to build on what you're good at and then and, and go this is the game where you can break out that stuff that, as you said, the players didn't even know why they were practicing, but they were practicing it all summer and all through camp and yep. didn't use it against Rice. And now all of a sudden, oh, here it is. That's the play. Uh, let's do it. Uh, we shall see. That's why I said earlier this week when they ran that throwback screen to Jonathan Brooks. Mm-hmm. Oh, to, yes. To, to me, they're going to show that look in this game and they're going to do something else off of it. Good job. Right? Because they've now shown it twice in a row. They, they did have. it in the Alamo Bowl and Jonathan Brooks scored a touchdown. They did it in a in the in the Rice game, which which Nick Saban mm-hmm. is going to make a point of emphasis with his team to identify on film. Well, then you do something completely different off of it. Give it the entire look. And then there's something that that hasn't happened before that's happening, and the defense is like, "Oh man, mm-hmm. we didn't see that coming." Yeah, that's a way you can set somebody up. Love, it. I like good that. stuff, Rod. I like that. Good stuff there from Rod Babers, Aaron Hogan on Hook 'Em Up every morning right here, six to eleven a.m. It's a it's a val it's a val point. It's what you have to do to win these big games, and it's something that Sark has shown that he hasn't done a ton, but it's a difference of being a good coach to being an elite coach, being a great coach. He's got to take that step. This season, and we're going to see in week two if if he's Coach Steven or if he's Coach Sark. We'll find out. we got to take a break. When we come back, we'll be reading your text. We asked you, what's the best superstition? What's your biggest superstition you do during the games? We also asked you, what is your keys to victory for Texas over Alabama? Send those in, 512-337-3776. We'll read your text, reset everything, get ready for hour two, right here on the Sports Complex on the Horn, 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app, and at hornfm.com. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on the Horn.
Back here on the Sports Complex on the Horn on a 5-1-2 Friday, playing some Ian Moore for you. He's going to be out at the Hill Country Galleria on Saturday. Don't know if he's going to pull this one out. This may be a little too old for Ian Moore to be pulling out anymore, a little too much of a rocker, but I always love Barlat 99 there for me and Moore. Going to be playing Saturday at the Hill Country Galleria. You know, if you need to get out, if that's one of your superstitions is, is avoiding the game, you got to avoid it, watch it later, then maybe you can go out to the Hill Country Galleria and catch some Ian Moore. Uh, we asked you on this t- on the text line, 512-337-3776. We were asking you, uh, what is your biggest superstition during the game? What's the best fan superstition you can have during the game? We're also asking you for keys to success for Texas. Goods going against Alabama, what they need to do to win. Uh, you guys have been killing it on the text line. I do like a long time ago, Mr. John Madden taught me the most important thing when it comes to football games is winning them. He taught me that the team that scores the most points typically wins. We need Texas to more, score more points than Alabama. Solid Maddenism right there. The team that wins the most, scores the most points usually wins the game. Uh, <laughs> I think there's you may we may have to get a little bit more in in depth if I'm gonna if I'm gonna fill two hours a day. But uh, you know I, I do agree with that uh, for Texas and with the new clock, the clock rule. Uh, Texas does not need the deep ball. Texas needs a good run game and focus on moving the chains. I, I think you can if if Alabama does creep up and and protect and they think Quinn Ewers can't throw the deep ball because he hasn't shown the ability to throw it that well, uh, it, you know, since Alabama last year, basically, that if they start creeping up and they're giving you no safeties in the backfield and it's one on one with Worthy or uh, Adonai Mitchell or Jonte Cook or or you know Isaiah or whoever it is. If they're getting one-on-ones and they're beating them, you're going to have to take some deep. You have to take what they give you because you have to push the defense back. I, I just don't want him to do it if there's safety still back there. If I, I, I just don't like that the progressions always seem to go, hey, Quinn, your one is this deep ball, two is this deep ball, and then you know then you check it down. And there's nothing – you're not given a progression of anything that's a moderate pass. That's where the problems arise. But yeah, I agree with I do agree that they do need to keep the keep the defense off the field, let them get their rest, and that's gonna be where you just gotta keep Alabama from scoring too much. And then you can put your some of your bone points up, move the ball, get field goals, get 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 what points wherever you can. Like Nate, I think bumping you for the Rangers games was the damn jinx for for the Rangers this year. Uh you know what? Anything I can do for my Astros, Nate, anything I can do for them. Uh I think the season's almost over. And then we'll be on. Uh, we'll be on until seven uh, every day. The season, and depending on how this series with the Blue Jays goes next week, it, it could be over sooner rather than later. Uh, we do have. I uh, like uh, if you're if they're behind, you got to go listen to it in the truck. I get it. I, I believe I used to have a a backdoor stream of of the games on my phone. We used to play that, and uh, I could do that and match it up to the TV. We would have that stuff. We're going to read some more of these texts. We're going to get some more of your texts. 512-337-3776, your biggest uh, superstition, what Texas needs to do to beat Alabama. We have to take a break at the top of the hour. We'll come right back. We'll read some more text right here on the Sports Complex on the Horn, 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com.